0: Welcome to Agent of Wealth Podcast with Mark Bautis from Boutis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps small business owners and retirees overcome the multiple wealth planning challenges involved in your financial life. We do this by creating comprehensive wealth management plans to guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and help create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts
1: to solve the multiple wealth planning issues involved in your financial life. Hello and welcome to the Agent of Wealth with Mark Boudis of Boudis Financial. Today Mark's got a great guest in and they're going to be covering reviewing your home and auto insurance policies and this is with Jason Street. Hello Mark and Jason, how are you? Hey Eric, how are you? Very good, Mark. I'm doing fantastic. Doing great. It's cold here. We got a little bit of a blizzard going on, but I'm bundled up, so I, I'm, I'm keeping warm. Uh, <laughs> you brought Jason onto the show today. Obviously, you guys are going to be talking about insurances, different types of insurance, and, and reviewing them and why. How did you and Jason start working together?
2: So, yeah, so Jason's the, the president of Allegiance Insurance Brokers, and I guess when it comes to wealth management, there's two things. There's growing your wealth, and then there's protecting your wealth, and Jason on the insurance side comes in with a protecting my client's wealth. And that's how we, we met. All
1: right, Mark, that sounds great. I am here to learn. I'm going to just step back in the shadows and, and learn from you guys.
2: All right, great. So Jason, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, how'd you get involved in the, in the insurance world? And, and can you give us a little background on Allegiance Insurance Brokers?
3: Uh, Allegiance Insurance Brokers is a small family-owned business. And we actually cover anything from property and casualty to life insurance to commercial insurance and health insurance. And I came into the business back in 2013 after working for Liberty Mutual and broke off into my own practice about three years ago. And I spent a lot of time working with families. I enjoy working with families and helping them protect their wealth. So I work really hand in hand with financial planners on a daily basis.
2: So I know insurance in general, and even specifically on the auto and home side, it's it's probably confusing. It's not... It doesn't seem very transparent. And, you know, a lot of times someone that needs, you know, everyone basically needs the insurance, but their agent or the broker will ask them a couple of questions and all of a sudden they'll spit back a policy. They sign it and they really don't, I think, don't really understand what's in a policy. We, I guess if we start on the auto side, can we go into a little bit on, you know, what really are they insured? What does an insurance policy cover?
3: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think uh, I would say about ninety-five of the individuals, ninety-five percent of the individuals that I actually work with. The first question I ask is, I, I ask them, "What do you currently have for coverage?" And do you have one hundred, three hundred, one hundred, or two fifty, five hundred, one hundred? And they're like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> so it, it, it's very common for a lot of people not to quite understand what they have, and I think it's very important as a financial advisor. To help them understand and point them in the right direction with an individual to review their risk with their auto and their home. Because a lot of times individuals don't know what they have and they're underinsured. Uh, because they, they tend to call a 1-800 number and say, I want the cheapest coverage I can get.
2: All right. So a couple of things from there. One, you were, what is a 100, 300? Three, five, whatever those numbers, what do those numbers represent?
3: Well, you actually have the first number. You can just, you like in New Jersey, you'd have like a state minimum. So you'd end up going with a lower coverage of, you can do, you know, 1530, which is 15,000 per occurrence. The first number is per occurrence. And the second number is aggregate. In a so, policy so that calendar. means per
2: occurrence, meaning if I get in an accident, the insurance company will cover- 15, in that example, you gave fifteen thousand dollars worth right. of damage.
3: Yep, and a lot of times I'll see individuals. I even have attorneys and doctors and people that are very, very successful. They're so busy running their practice, so busy just doing what they do professionally that they don't understand what they have in coverage. And they a lot of times they won't have. They'll have state minimum because they call up, is for example Geico or Progressive, and they'll say, "I want the cheapest insurance I can get." Sure, the guy on the other I'll end or the gal on the other end is going to give them the cheapest insurance. They get in order to bind that, that coverage. Okay. Somebody like myself working with an independent broker, uh, we're here to help you find the best coverage. We were, as a broker, we work for our clients. We don't work for an insurance company. Whereas if you call the 1-800 number, they're working, they're an right. employee of that company. That's where you're getting your insurance from. That, Correct. That
2: company. All right. So first number covers per incident. Second number.
3: Is aggregate. In a so policy means, year.
2: is that, so that in one year, if they have three yep. accidents, that that it's second a comprehensive number came yep. out. And then what was that third number? Let's just
3: say you have an individual that got, you have like more than one incident that happens in an accident. You have two separate lawsuits. That's technically a, a per occurrence. Okay. So
2: it could be one accident. Yeah. It could yep. be multiple, multiple occurrences. Yep.
3: And then the third number would be the uh, property damage. So like if you're driving down the road and you actually run into somebody's fence, run into their house, run into a telephone pole. Like if a lot of people don't understand it, they ran into a guardrail or a telephone pole c and g you know the public service company or the state of New Jersey is going to bill them for that property damage so that's what the property damage covers
2: and what about is our if there's medical injuries is that in a separate limits or is that included in that those three three numbers that you gave
3: yeah that would be the uh, uh, pip medical and it's uh, Pip medical is going to cover the medical coverage and that's another number too that tends to be stripped down like if you called up and asked for the cheapest insurance I can get, a lot of times they'll bring it from $250,000 worth of coverage all the way down to $15,000 worth of coverage. And mark the auto insurance as a secondary coverage. Whereas if they have health insurance, they'll go as a primary. I never recommend for my clients to go anything lower than the $250,000 coverage. And you can do it a $500 deductible. And a lot of times to get cheap insurance, a lot of, a lot of agents will end up stripping that coverage down to a lower limit, lower than the Mm 250,000.
2: So that's one way of getting your cost down is just strip the stripping coverage. How do you determine what's the right amount of, of coverage that someone should, should have?
3: Well, that's why I think it's important for individuals to have a good relationship with a great financial planner or wealth management expert, because I think it's very important for them to understand what their net worth is know exactly what they have, if they were to liquidate everything and put all their money in a bucket and know what they're technically worth. Because then you don't only have the liquid net worth that you want to cover, but you also want to cover you know, any other risks in regards to, you know, like just say, if somebody's, after they sold their home, the equity in their home, they have money in the bank, they've got the assets of the cars and anything that they, they own as a family. A lot of times people have 100, 300, 100 coverage. As I mentioned before, the 100000 is is per accident, per mm-hmm. occurrence. Unless, God forbid, somebody ends up you know, injuring somebody seriously or killing somebody. We live in a very litigious society. What do you think the lawsuit's going to be? More than that. It's going to be more than $100,000. So that's going to cover legal fees. And if somebody, you know, if they have doctor's bills for the individual, you might injure. So that's why it's important to have the higher coverage. And then put an umbrella policy over to kind of match your net worth and then some.
2: So yeah, the umbrella policy is one thing I, I definitely wanted to cover because, like you said, it's once you get past those limits, they're, they can they can come after you personally. Correct? Absolutely. And that umbrella policy comes in to protect your your personal
3: assets. And I've had individuals as well say, "I don't own anything, so let them sue me." And at the end of the day, even if you don't own anything you can actually still have your wages garnished up to 25% for the rest of your life. So you'll have that tra- fall follow- that accent following you for the rest of your life. If you're not sure. properly covered.
2: And umbrella policies are relatively inexpensive,
3: relatively inexpensive based on the risk. I mean, if you have younger drivers, let's just say any really, truly any family that has any young, youthful drivers driving should have an umbrella policy because it happens all the time. I mean, prime example, I mean, my relationship working with you, Mark We've actually know that you know the story of Hulk Hogan and his son. Right. You've brought that up many times before, and it's true because if you don't have an umbrella policy to cover you, uh, and if your if your minor child that's living under your roof gets into an accident, you as the parent are liable.
2: Right. I know one of the stories we were talking about offline was someone we know that their son wasn't on the on the policy, and they didn't even realize it for for a period of time. Yeah.
3: I mean, I have recently had somebody two weeks ago, close friend of mine that we do a lot of business with. I reviewed his coverage, and I think this is one thing I can throw out there for everybody. Take the, 10 minutes, take the 10 minutes and find an insurance professional that you trust that's going to look out for your best interests. And if you don't know somebody, ask your financial planner. They'll point you in the right direction. And have them review the coverage because it doesn't cost you anything to have somebody review it. You know, working hand in hand with your financial planner, you can make sure you're properly covered on covering your assets. But you also, this individual didn't realize that his son who got his driver's license two years ago was never listed on his policy. So he drove two years without being covered.
2: And that's, so what what happens in that case if something, if he gets in an accident is, is the parent on the The
3: parent, the parents on the hook. Yeah. Yeah. Parents are on the hook. I mean, they either come up with it. God forbid there was a $500,000 judgment against them for something. That individual, that parent would be liable to pay those damages.
2: Yeah. So and you mentioned reviewing your policy and it's one thing I promote to do at least annually. One of the reasons is people's change, you know, their lives change. They may need different coverage, but also how do insurance companies, how do they, do they raise the, the cost of insurance each year? And if you don't say anything or shop it, are they will they just continue doing that?
3: Well, I always have a rule of thumb. This is my personal rule of thumb, is that every three years you should be seriously looking to shop your insurance. Mm-hmm. For that being said, is a lot of times you'll see that a lot of the initial discounts that you get, like you say if you switch to a, a carrier, they're gonna bring the the new customer discount. All those discounts are gonna roll off over time. All right slowly and then next thing you know you're going to realize that why i'm paying i'm paying a lot more than i used to pay so if you actually went and shopped every three years two to two to three years shop your insurance i think it's very important to 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 at least and i don't believe in jumping year to year because you don't really have you kind of have like a i don't want to say a credit history but you have like an insurance history uh the carriers know if you're jumping from carrier to carrier and that does take they do take that into account as far as rating premiums.
2: So you mentioned credit history. What else goes into your, your premium or how does the underwriting go in, in terms of, because I'm I'm sure they look just like any other type of insurance. They want to measure you as a risk and determine, you know, how risky you are to insure.
3: Yeah. I mean, the soft credit check is pulled on every, uh, you know, for example, like if you did an auto policy, a soft credit check would be pulled based on so the individual's like driver's license or date of birth.
2: and there, So e- even though you wouldn't think credit would relate to- It does. To auto driving, it, it actually comes it into does. play. So
3: and then another rate factor would be uh, any type of uh, small frivolous claims. Like to say, if somebody got into an accident and they have a $500 deductible and they had a $1,000 accident and they put a claim in. I always try to coach my clients that if you have a small claim, sometimes it's better off just paying it out of pocket because that's going to count against you for the least, at least least the next 3 years right and you're, the insurance company is always going to get their money back right whether it's them or the next carrier that you switch so, to yeah one of them got it yep
2: so on the claim side someone gets in an accident what do they do, do they call the insurance company do they call you do they handle it themselves
3: i have a lot of my clients that i work really closely with and have strong relationships with to that they a lot of times they'll call me and i'll coach them through what they need, I'll put them in contact with a claims adjuster uh, with a with a carrier that they're with, and I'll I'll work with them because I actually get a lot of all the reports on a claims end that comes through on you know for me to look at as well. Mm-hmm. And I always recommend never ever get into an accident and try to make a deal with the person who got an accident. I with hear those stories a lot because it'll come back and bite you in the butt in the long run, right? Because if God forbid somebody rear ends you or somebody hits you it's a he said she said and then if that claim and and uh, that person that hit you technically can go to the police department and file their own complaint after the fact saying that you hit them mm-hmm. and then it's a arguable uh, accident that okay. most likely will end up being a 50/50 responsibility
2: right
3: best not to take that, that not. approach yeah so it takes best to take the time put the claim in and do it the right way
2: yeah uh, switching on to the to homeowners insurance what do you see some of the most common things that people don't understand about homeowners' insurance?
3: A lot of times individuals like to say if they have a pool in the backyard, mm-hmm. having you know the 300,000 dollars worth of coverage is great, but like I said, I always have that umbrella policy to cover over the home as well. So you would have a let's for exa- let's say for an example, your net worth is two million dollars, or 1.5 million dollars. I would put a two million dollar umbrella the $300,000 or $500,000 underlying coverage mm-hmm. and making sure you're properly covered for the underlying coverage.
2: Is it, is it based off of the replacement value of the home or the worth of the home? Or how, how does, how do you recommend a, a specific amount that it, someone's insured for? Yeah.
3: I mean, you want to, you never want to cover the home. It's always based on a replacement cost and it's a replacement cost calculation. It's done by the insurance company and, or myself on what the cost would be to rebuild that home. It's never going to be. A lot of times you'll see some carriers that will, let's say the house's market value is $575,000. You'll see sometimes a, a bank, even a lender, would say, We want $575,000 worth of coverage. Mm-hmm.
2: And they're just doing it based.
3: Upon. It based I mean, you, you never want to cover for market value. You want to cover for replacement cost to rebuild that home. And it's usually a per square foot type scenario or an average. Mm-hmm. You know, like here in New Jersey, you're going to average between 175 and 275, based on what the fixtures and, and what the finishes are that you have within the home. Whether it's a contractor's grade materials or custom built with granite countertops, all those factors are involved in coming up with the proper proper value values.
2: Now, does the mortgage company push back? And if you if take that 575 example and you, you calculate that the replacement cost is 500 do they push back and say no we want 575 if of we
3: give them a an actual calculation from the insurance company and it makes sense based on the, the market that that home is in a lot of times uh, we can actually win that battle you know for mm-hmm. them going back to one of the other questions that you had in regards to the homeowners as far as cash value or replacement costs a lot of times you'll get a cheaper policy. If you, you don't, you never, you always want to have replacement costs. Like let's say for an example, if you don't have replacement cost coverage on a home and say you're insured for $480,000 and it costs you 580 replacement cost coverage will cover the, the rebuild at home, no matter what it is, even if it's a little bit over what your, your schedule a coverage is. Mm-hmm.
2: And is that, so how does that work with replacement cost side, just like inflation with everything, anything else? those replacement costs probably go up yep. year year to year. Should someone be, again, with this annual review of their policy, should they be Absolutely. looking at it and saying, you know, it cost me this much a couple of years ago. Now it's going to cost me more. I should probably add a little bit of coverage to it.
3: Yep. And sometimes I'll see you know, individuals that have been with a carrier for 20 plus years and their numbers are way out of whack. Mm-hmm. And they, because it compounds as, you know, a lot of times as a automatic increased rider, that's put on the policy where it will go up three to 4% or 5% a year on the coverage A and also the personal property. And sometimes if you don't have that, you know, you're going to be underinsured over time as well. Mm -hmm. So
2: are, are policies standardized between carriers in terms of what they do and do not cover in terms of the, it's all
3: governed by the state of New Jersey.
2: Okay. So let's a couple things, questions I had in terms of, is this covered? Is it not covered? What if there's a hurricane and it, Damages the roof
3: depends on the coverage you have. Some carriers will have a fixed deductible. It could be a thousand, twenty five hundred, five thousand for hurricane coverage. Mm-hmm. Some will be a percent. Uh, the biggest factor is that some carriers will have three or five percent of coverage A. So, for example, you know if you had five percent of coverage A or three, I uh, say three percent of coverage A on a five hundred thousand dollar home. I mean, you're putting out technically fifteen thousand dollars and and deductible that okay. you're never going to get back. So the damages on that home would have to be much greater than 15,000 in order for you to even put a claim in.
2: And coverage on floods, it's if, I, if my hot water heater breaks and it floods the basement, is that covered versus if a hurricane causes a flood? That, that would be considered
3: water backup. Like if you had a sump pump that backed up or a sewer that backed up within, in, into the home, a hot water heater type issue that that burst. Now, that would be covered under like a water backup under your regular policy. As far as a flood policy, that would be any waters coming in from the outside coming in, whether it's up through the ground or into the windows and <clears> through any openings or, or any way that the water can get in. And one thing I want to do, bring up to everybody as well, is in the past couple of years, things, a lot of things have changed with flood insurance. I do a lot, of, a lot of business helping individuals, bringing them to the private flood market now. I have an individual... That I've been working on in the past two days. That he was paying forty three hundred dollars a year for flood insurance, and I just got him a private flood policy for twenty seven hundred and change.
2: So, what was it previously you had to go through the through
3: previously the government? you were required to go through State the federal government, federal government, yeah, to, to get for the flood. national flood insurance program. And now that that's changed, a lot of banks now are accepting uh, private flood policies, mm-hmm. and I can save on average, you know, an average individual, I can save eight hundred to. on their flood insurance.
2: Is that just cause more competition, more competition, better, better prices out there?
3: Yeah. And a lot of them are, they're backed by surplus lines companies like Lloyd's and London, reputable companies that are, that do this for, you know, this is what they do. They, they're a surplus carrier.
2: How does someone determine if they need flood coverage aside from if they're in a flood zone, they're probably needed, Mm -hmm. but do people, do you see people outside flood zones get, get flood insurance?
3: I recommend it. Mm -hmm. It's cheap. You know, I have flood insurance in my home. And that covers me if any water's coming up through the basement floor, coming in through the side. I have actually, uh, I have stuff down in my basement. My kids' toys are down in the basement. I've got gym equipment in the basement. And for me, it's like, you know, almost $400 a year. It's worth it for me to have that flood coverage because I know that my contents are going to be covered. And, you know, the base, any of the walls and anything to replace sheetrock and whatnot will be covered. Mm
2: -hmm. What about if my dog bites someone, bites a guest? Is that? I know one of the questions that's always asked of someone is, do you have a dog? What breed of dog is it? One, is it covered? Like, is it covered if it's this breed, not this breed?
3: Or? A, lot, a lot of carriers will reject. They have a list of non-preferred animals and, you know, Dobermans, uh, pit bulls, you know, bull mastiffs, a lot of the larger dogs that are, you know, German shepherds that are dogs that actually can seriously injure somebody. When we go through our questionnaire with our homeowners to, to place that coverage, that's one of the questions. We need to know what kind of dogs if they have within the home. Because God forbid, if they don't list that they have one of those dogs and, and they end up biting somebody, they're technically not, covered. not going to be covered. Yeah.
2: And is that how your approach is? You, you consult with the, the person, get all the details of what, everything that's going on, and you find the best fit in terms of carrier-wise for, for them? Yep. Every carrier is different in terms of what they cover, what they don't, what prices, what.
3: Yeah. That's what a broker on my end, I used, I was an agent. Now I'm a broker. I like helping individuals. I help, I like uh, protecting their families and helping them find not only foremost, it's the right coverage. Secondly, at the right price. Thirdly, you know, being a broker, I work for them. So I actually spend a lot of time consulting them on doing a comprehensive risk review uh, annually with them. Mm -hmm.
2: Anything else we missed in in the insurance side, which you want to cover or you think people don't understand or. No, I think,
3: I think another, another factor which you can relate to on a financial planning. end, I think I believe that every individual should have some sort of a income replacement tool in place to cover them. God forbid that you you have two breadwinners in a home that are paying the mortgage. And, you know, the income replacing not only be life insurance, but it can be disability insurance. So a lot of times individuals don't even, they don't even pay attention to disability insurance. Our number one asset in our lives is us, yep. ourselves.
2: Ability to earn. Income. Beyond, or, or, beyond or the earn home. Earn money. Yeah.
3: Beyond home or any other uh, material items. You know, the biggest asset we have is our hands, our, right. our minds. And if we can't work anymore because we're disabled, and we're not able to do anything, it would be nice to be able to know that my mortgage is going to be paid. Right. And so that way my family can stay within their home.
2: Yeah. Disability insurance, is, it's called the forgotten insurance. Yeah. And uh, yeah, most people, you know, I, we both see a lot of people starting families and, you know, first thing they think about is life insurance, but disability should be in that conversation as well.
3: I ask my clients when I do sit down and do the comprehensive risk review, one of the main things I ask them, I said, if you had a box in your basement, that can print $100 bills all day long, would you, would you do something to protect that box? Definitely would. would Absolutely. So if you are that box, that's earning a wage, earning a living, bring a paycheck home to pay your mortgage. Keep in mind, the bank's not going to go away. Your taxes are not going to go away. Right. If we're injured or sick, we're still here. We're still, got to pay our bills. Yep. so i I tie in the life insurance as a mortgage replace mortgage coverage to back the mortgage if one of the other spouses passes away, but I also put disability insurance on my clients i at least have them understand that if they cannot no longer do their job, at least they know they can stay within their home.
2: yeah, no it definitely makes sense, definitely agree well, we're just at a, about out of time. I appreciate you for coming on, Jason. What's the best way someone can get in contact with you?
3: Feel free. Anybody can contact me at any time. This is my direct line is 973-477-4269. Or my email address is jason, J-A-S-O-N dot street, S-T-R-E-E-T at com. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Guys, this is a great podcast. Jason, thank you so much for being a great guest. I learned a few things today. And number one, I have a pool. So (laughs) there's that. And I have a bull mastiff, uh, which, you know, (laughs) at this point he sleeps 22 hours a day. So the chances he's biting anybody really slim. However, uh, I I need to revisit my umbrella policy because I probably should boost that up a little bit. So thank you for the info. And Mark, thank you so much for bringing him on. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. me. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Mark comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Boudis Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast